You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you want to try a free trial, go to the website builtforthestage.com or click the link in the description of this episode and you can work for seven days with your own Broadway fitness coach on an online app. So check it out. No catch, no gimmicks. Builtforthestage.com. If you like Built for the Stage podcast, please rate, subscribe, and leave a comment. It'd be greatly appreciated. All right, please enjoy this conversation. Okay, Sharon, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm going to take a crack at your last name. Uh, so you folks uh, listening, you can check out our website and uh, you, can, you can see how it's written out. So I'm going to guess Sayeh. Oh, close, oh. but no cigar. Okay. So, Saig, it's like... Oh, that's not close at all. That was awful. <laughs> it's like Saig with a like a hard G. So, like Saig. Saig. Yeah. So, so much easier than I was trying then to do. Then it looks... I know, there's like a lot of extra letters. Yeah. Okay, so you got, for those of you listening, it's Sharon, S-H-A-R-O-N-E, S-A-Y-E-G-H. Okay, you can check out her website, SharonSaig.com. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for that workout we just had. Of course, thank you. It was awesome. Sharon just came in here and crushed a little workout with me. Um, so we were just chatting that you went to school uh, in Syracuse at, is it Syracuse University or University of Syracuse? Syracuse University. I want to get it right. I want to yeah. get it right. The, <laughs> the Orange. The Orange. Formerly known as The Orange Men. Yes. But now it's The Orange. The Orange. They want it to be more inclusive, which I appreciate. I appreciate that, you yeah. know? Others might not appreciate that now they're a fruit only. But well, they were always they, a fruit. They, that's true. That's yeah. true. Maybe they could just be a color as well. You know, if no one ever right. saw the orange, they would just they could assume you're just a color. Yeah, we are all the orange. <laughs> um, so you went to school for theater or mm-hmm. acting? Okay, yeah. at Syracuse. When did you When did you like decide that that's what you were going to do? That you wanted to go into performing uh, for a living? I think uh, like in high school, probably like my sophomore year. I told my parents I wanted to study theater in college, and they were very nervous and worried about that. They were always super supportive, but they were like, it's more of a hobby, and you should be a lawyer or a doctor, you know, <laughs> which is more stable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at first they were like, okay, I grew up in California. They're like, you can't go to school outside California. 
And at the wow, time... Wow, you, 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 <laughs> you went from one pond to the other. I did. Okay. At the time, there were actually no schools in California that gave you, that like offered a BFA in musical theater. There was like a BFA in just straight theater and acting, but no musical theater. So I actually, this is kind of showing my age, but I like sent a VHS audition tape oh, dang. to a okay. bunch of schools. Cool. Yeah, because I was like pre, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I mailed mine into Syracuse, and mm-hmm. I and then I got into a couple East Coast schools. Told my parents, and they were like, "Oh man, all right, let's go visit the ones you got into and then make yeah. a decision." Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's how I ended up at Syracuse. That's cool. I never had to make a VHS for my auditions. I had to make them for like some colleges that I wanted to play sports at mm-hmm. the VHS. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just had to show up on site for. Uh, those auditions so yeah hey me too i was doing i was rocking that vhs yeah. as well um, all you are we millennials i never get it right i think i'm actually just i think i am technically a millennial but i definitely feel older than yeah. what you consider to be a millennial all you real millennials out there just <laughs> shut up okay with your i don't know dvds are old too what's the new thing i know cds aren't even a thing no no they're it's gone. just mp3s now <laughs> we, it's uh, crazy yeah we have uh our car here in New York, we're blessed to have a car. Thankfully, we have anything. Um, but it's a CD player. It's not yeah. like a Bluetooth, whatever. Yeah. And I, I feel so old with the CD player going in there. <laughs> but, um, uh, okay, so your parents were like, are you sure you want to do that? How right. was that growing up? Like, Were your parents uh, into theater and the arts, or were they just kind of more of your, I don't know, I don't want to say average person, but, you know, not your arts type person? Yeah, I mean, they're not in the arts. They're in real estate. Um, which is yeah, very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they were always supportive. Like they loved the fact that I sang and like did the musicals at school and stuff, but they just thought it was more just like something nice to do after school. And mm-hmm. I grew up in LA and in high school, I wanted to like start auditioning for like professional things cause mm-hmm. I was in LA Yeah. and my parents were very much against that. And they wanted me to have like a quote unquote normal childhood. At the time I was really frustrated, but I'm actually now looking back on it happy that they didn't let me audition for anything professional. And that I saved that for basically after college. Yeah. Um, and then I remember, like, after I graduated Syracuse and I moved to New York and I started auditioning and stuff, you know, it's like it's really hard. You're, you audition, as, like, a lot, and you're usually non-equity. You don't get seen a lot. And mm-hmm. it was like, you know, I, I, I want to say, like, a year and a half of me into me, like, being here and auditioning, my parents were like, okay, like, how much longer are you going to do this? You know, mm-hmm. like, we don't really know how it works, but... You know, we don't know how much longer, like, maybe give yourself, like, to two years, and then if it's not working out, then try to find something else. And I was like, no, no, no. And then, like, luckily, I got Mama Mia, like, right before the two-year mark. And I was like, ha-ha. And then awesome. they were, yeah. Okay, cool. You weren't you weren't committing or booking any shows before that? You're... I did. It was just, like, small things here and there. Like, I did a workshop of a great play. I did, like, some small shows, but... Nothing that, like, could, like, really sustain me financially or, like, career-wise, you right. know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was my next question on... So when did you want to perform? But then my next question was, when did you think yourself that you didn't want to perform? Did you have that thought when your parents were like, hey, maybe you might want to start thinking about your exit strategy? Were you ever thinking that? Or were you like, no way? No. I was like, I got to prove it to them. I got to like make it happen. I mean, I was like also so young and just like dreaming big and just like, Mm -hmm. just like, I was like, I know it's going to happen. I just have to like make it happen somehow, you know? How do you hold on to that mentality now? That's a great question. Um, hmm. I definitely think like my goals and stuff have changed, obviously being here for a while. And 
I've learned a lot of things about the business, which are, some of them are exciting. Some of them are a little bit like have taken the magic out of the business for me, you know, because it's just a little bit more looking at the business more realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that connects me back to that, to that like big dreaming hope is actually like seeing kids at the stage door, like getting messages on like Instagram or Facebook of kids being in high school or whatever, like seeing a show I'm in and telling me like how inspired they are, like that always brings me back to like when I felt like that, you know, yeah. just really, really wonderful and humbling and mm-hmm. inspiring actually. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And fitness, like so, so uh, many times when you're first starting out, you're, you want to get the six pack or you want to get this strong or this fast or whatever. And then once you're in the midst of it, yeah, it's the same thing where it starts to fade on you real quick. You mm-hmm. either achieved it um, or you're struggling in the midst of it and you start to lose the fire. Yeah. Um, we have New Year's coming up. We were kind of talking about yeah. that. And then the, the fitness fire will begin. Um, so that's cool that you've been able to keep in touch with like the appreciation of uh, how you're impacting younger people mm-hmm. or the fans that are being changed by your performance. So uh, I could definitely see how you can kind of hang on to that uh, passion for just the grind of being a, an artist. So cool. Um, so you're in the band's visit right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw it. It was on Thursday night. It was awesome. All right, thank you. Uh, I have all kinds of things to say about it, but the podcast is about you, so let's keep it that way. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen it yet, there's a reason it's won a bunch of awards. So if you're in the New York area, uh, definitely go check out the band's visit. Um, we'll talk about it right now. So when you saw this listing, um, I don't know if you saw it or your agent or whatever, that it was going to be uh, this show called The Band's Visit. Um, and you saw the description of it, and you're of uh, a Middle Eastern descent, were you like, this is mine? Like, yes. This, no one in this city is yeah. going to get this role but me. Like, yes. I'm, I'm in this show. Yeah, I saw the breakdown, and I, like, emailed my agent. I was like, I must be in this show. It's, like, an Israeli musical. I'm Israeli. And, like, and the, I already, like, recognized the title of The Band's Visit because it's based on a movie called The Band's Visit that came out of Israel, so I had already seen the movie, too. So I was like, I have to be in this show. So luckily they got me an audition, and in my first audition, I they said you could sing whatever you want, and I was like, okay, great, I'm going to sing a song in Hebrew because they like need to know that I speak Hebrew and I'm Israeli, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I was just like going forward hard. <laughs> yeah, you have, you have tons of like... Um dialects on your resume that you're able to do right yeah um so i i knew that when you saw that you know it's one thing to it's always common for us as actors to study or pick up on certain dialects but like it's a whole other thing when it's like actually your life or like Mm -hmm. a part of your uh, heritage or roots um so that's cool yeah that was like one of my immediate thoughts was like you know you always have those moments of when you see a show and this is this is the one. Yeah. Um, so good for you for that happening and you you know following through and Thanks. and booking it. So. I feel very lucky. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, that's great. So, um, before speaking of auditions, you know, <laughs> you went in and, and sang that song in Hebrew. What kind of mentality do you have, or like rituals, um, or pregame, whatever, before you step into an audition room? Um, what do you what do you like to do before going in? Anything in, in uh, detail? Um, I mean, aside from obviously preparing whatever material you've been given, um, I've learned actually lately that I've just kind of like got to like tell myself, I've got to like psych myself up in my brain before I go in. 
and then just like let everything go once I'm in the room. Like for example, if it's something that I'm nervous about singing or something, before I go into the room, I just like literally in my mind tell myself like, you're an incredible singer. <laughs> you know, just like you are an amazing actor, whatever it is. And it's just to honestly like help me keep that confidence. Cause like if I don't believe I'm an incredible actor or an incredible singer, incredible performer, like why is the team behind the table gonna think that, you know? And then once I go in, I've just, I try to just like let go of everything and just like play around and just, you know, be in the moment and do the thing, you yeah. know? Yeah. Positive self-talk. Yeah. Uh, it's like cheesy, but it works. <laughs> it, 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 it might come across cheesy or, or nowadays it's like, um, just one of those like common, maybe overly used phrases, but it, it has come to the revelation of so many people that it's important. Like what you say to yourself a lot of the times determines an outcome yeah. of what you're trying to do. Yeah. And so oftentimes, you know, we can be negative on ourselves um, in the business. You know, you, you haven't booked something for a while or uh, this person just went in and you heard them do this or that. And right. you're like, oh, they were really good. I don't, I don't right. think I can match that. Um, same thing in fitness. You know, you, you see the Instagram people and you're like, oh, I just, I just don't have – you know, the genetics or they've been doing that since they were kids. Mm -hmm. It's just not for me. Like I'm fat. I'll always be fat. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, you hear that a lot. So yeah, the positive self-talk. Awesome. Yeah. And then just letting it wing, just winging it. I huh? just get in there and just let it, or I well, should like say, I just let it loose. No, yeah. 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 Not wing it. I should say, just let it rip. Just let it loose. Yeah. Um, that's cool. So just like having the confidence to tell yourself that you're capable and then just knowing it when you're in there. So. Yeah. And I think I, I also used to think like, oh, I have to get the scene right or like the song right, like quote unquote right rather than wrong. Um, like I need to play this character right or correctly. And I think I've learned that there's no such thing. Everything is very subjective, right? I mean, aside from like singing the correct notes or whatever. And like the audition is just truly an opportunity to show like your take on this character. So even if it's like totally not vibing, like your take is not vibing with what the director wants, that's totally fine. This is who I am. This is how I would do it. You know? So like I just try to bring myself, whatever that is, rather than trying to be what I think this character is supposed to be. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Sometimes, like you said, it doesn't work out. Sometimes you go in and they think it's something, but you bring something else and you change their mind. Right, so that's right. always cool and it happens too. Um, awesome. I'm excited for people to hear this. This is really good stuff. Um, so when you were with the band's visit um, off-Broadway mm -hmm. at the Atlantic Theater and now um, at the Barrymore, how did the, ch uh, how did the show change? How did it grow and transform um, in this journey? So yeah, just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so off-Broadway, we were in a much smaller theater. It sat, it sat like 199 seats. And on Broadway, it's a much bigger theater. It has like almost 1,100 seats. So the stage is a little bit bigger. So they they basically built a bit a big bit bigger of a set. And so there's more playing space. So a lot of the like transitions and the movement in the show actually changed the most, I would say. Mm -hmm. They also incorporated the band um, onto the stage and throughout the transitions more just because they had more space now. Mm -hmm. um, and then they also added one more band member that we didn't have downtown, that guy, Osama, who plays the Del Buco, which is that like amazing Middle Eastern drum. Yeah, we the, didn't have the one he sits on or stands with. Yeah, this, the one he stands with. He was he's my incredible, favorite. He's right? Yeah, <laughs> he was my favorite out of the uh, instrumentalists. Up yeah, there. he's he was, amazing. Yeah, uh, I just saw... Uh, a kid at my church and he plays the drums and he's not into theater really at all and I was like 
you got to see this show. Yeah. There's this guy yeah. doing this percussion, and he's just amazing. So yeah. How did they choose the? Because there are some people in the pit. Right. So how how did they like make the cut or not make the cut to be up on the stage? So no, there's four people in the pit, but those people are all playing instruments that like can't be moved. Like a piano. Or yeah, something. there's like two pianos, a big like drum set that obviously can't move. Yeah. And then like a huge upright bass. Got it. But everyone else. They like play a song on stage, and then they run down to the pit. They play a song, and then they run back. Okay, over I didn't, I didn't like realize going that. Going back and forth. Ah, okay. Yeah. I thought maybe they played from off stage with a mic. Okay, so they're going under and up and under. Yeah, it's okay. crazy. That's cool. That's <laughs> yeah. cool. That'd be like something interesting to see, uh, like behind the scenes, like seeing that transition. Yeah. Okay, so no, no jadedness from the piano no, players or the all. drummers. No. Or the, <laughs> they did not make the cut to be no, up on no, the stage. No, no, no. <laughs> Okay, so a lot of like uh, scenic things that were different, you're saying, just yeah. basically capabilities of what you can do in the smaller theater in comparison to the one on Broadway. Yeah, and then also just like the movement of like, um, there's not there's not like a lot of traditional quote-unquote dance, but there's like, there's a lot of movement, like stylized movement, mm -hmm. and that was all like really fleshed out more on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. How is it working with David Yazbek? Did you get to... Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he's our composer. Mm -hmm. He's an awesome guy. He's super funny, super silly. He's yeah. always cracking jokes. Okay. Um, and he's he said in interviews and stuff before that he like has truly loved working on this piece because his dad is Lebanese, and so he grew up with some of this like Arabic music in the home, and he he like you know really dived back into that to to write this score, and he feels like he kind of like returned to his roots. Yeah. Um, so, and, like, I would see him with, like, the musicians and the music director, like, really collaborating and coming up with these, the transitional music that, that now exists in the show. And they really, like, really organically, like, all came up with it together. It was so cool to watch. Nice. Yeah. Just kind of like a, a living room sesh where they're just kind of, like, yeah. banging out some stuff and whatever fit, fit, and whatever didn't Yeah, didn't. and, like, we would take breaks. Like, you know, you're required to take, like, a 10-minute break, right? We would take breaks and then like the actor musicians or whatever in our show would just start jamming and just like we would all just like sit and listen and they'd be like, oh, maybe we'll put this in the show like that you just came up with, you know, so it was so cool. It was unlike any other rehearsal process I've been a part of. Cool. Yeah. Um, what is the message that the band's visit conveys to the audience? What do you think it is? No, this is about you. I have my opinions. <laughs> I, uh, we're, we're, we're going back and forth with this right now because if you were to see it it's not very forceful um, right it's very up for interpretation so I wanted to hear from you what what you what you thought yeah so our team never said like this is the the message we're trying to get across like they never said one like blanket statement or something it's kind of like you said up for interpretation um, I kind of what I hope people take from it is that they realize that we're all Everyone in this world is a lot more similar than we are different. We love to like point out each other's differences and we love to like categorize people, just people in general, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I think when it comes down to it, we all like, we are all the same and we all need the same things. We all need, we all want love. We all have hope. We all need clothing and shelter and food. We all are truly the same, you know? Yeah. And then also kind of in a timely, this is a very timely thing, but you know, this place takes place in the Middle East, which I think in the U.S. people view as like a very fraught political climate. And not to say that it isn't, it is, but that's not the only 
thing that's like that exists in the Middle East. And I think the people of the countries in Israel and all around the Middle East don't necessarily feel um, like represented by that political narrative that we that's that, that we really just see here. And just like I think people in this country, like our country is very divided right now politically, and I think people don't really feel defined by the like the government, right, or the the actions of the government. They may or they may not, but I think in general. What I'd like to say to people with our show is like, we as people are not defined by the actions or the policies or the views of our governments, right? Like just because two countries could be at war doesn't mean the people of those countries hate each other or the people of those countries are at war and, yeah. you know, wouldn't help each other out or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really beautiful and I love that we're like showing people from Israel and Egypt and just places in the Middle East as just human beings and three-dimensional human beings rather than like stereotypes of the region you know right yeah it's, it really was just because it is a, a 24-hour period really that you mm-hmm. guys go through and everyone has their stuff pretty much is kind of what i'm taking from it everyone has their stuff everyone has love everyone has right uh turmoil loss uh struggles right. yeah cool um with such a simple story um kind of probably just adding to what we just talked about but the story is simple, mm-hmm. but what makes the show to you so special? What What is special about it with such a show that's so simple? Might have been what we just talked about there, but... Yeah. Um, I think one thing our director said once was like, you know, a lot of times you see a show or a movie and like this huge life event happens and then the character has changed forever and all these things, right? Which sometimes does happen in real life, but a lot of times in real life I think something very small might happen that will actually change your life, right? And I think this piece kind of shows these like mundane things that could all happen in a 24-hour period and nothing is like what you think of as like a life-changing event. But these very small things all add up to become a life-changing event. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like, like challenged me in my own life to look at things that happen in my own life whether or not they're if, even if they're not big even if they're small things to be like this could be something that really could impact my life in an amazing way in a terrible way you know what I mean it doesn't have to be like this huge huge life event you know yeah. what I mean yeah there's I, I had no intention to talk about this but um, I was just recalling like a childhood memory uh, and it was of no real like substance or importance at the time but it stuck with me. Mm-hmm. It's like a 10 second moment. And, and now it does affect my way of thinking or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's so true. Like what you're talking about with the show, because when I left the show, I, I was perplexed at first because I was like, they didn't really dive into too many, you know, deep plots of, cause there's subplots, yeah. you know, there's subplots. So I was waiting to get pretty in depth in one or the other. Mm-hmm. And you kind of just touch the, I think there's three maybe. There's the one apartment, the other apartment, the skating. Uh, and then the kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the kids' apartment, then the, the one with the conductor, that apartment. Yeah. And then the skating rink. Right? right, right. Yeah. So I'm leaving. I was like, I was like, what was like the main, you know, what was the plot of like the, the tension or the thing that had to be overcome? What was it? Because mm-hmm. it's not the... I don't know, someone needs to be rescued or right. someone goes from poor to rich or someone whatever. Right. Um, but as you go to think about it, it's it was really just the people coexisting as humans and the subtleties of how relationships are 
uh, created mm-hmm. and impact impactful um, in your life. So, and like you said, like all these little things that happened weren't crazy huge moments, but these characters really are changed probably for the rest of their lives because of what happened in this twenty four mm-hmm. hour period. You know? Yeah. 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 Very cool. Um, very cool and very brave of. Uh, creators of shows to do that yeah especially nowadays where yeah. you know i love a lot of the stuff out there but a lot of it is like slam bam like lights and totally like this and you know all that stuff so um i i really appreciated it uh for that um all right so off the stories plot i i felt like there was an essence of like finding truth in the midst of being lost they were physically lost right so physically they were lost but somehow being lost helped them to find some truths can you can you recall like a time in your career um where you felt like you know you were lost or at a low point um but then somehow in the midst of it you found hope or peace or motivation um maybe by a situation or a person that kind of came up in the midst of that struggle Yeah, actually, um, okay, like one of the first things I did here when I first moved here, I did this workshop of a new play called Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo. And it was this beautiful play and I loved it. I did like a six-week workshop of it and then found out that it was going to go to like uh, Center Theater Group in LA and then transfer to Broadway, right? And I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like this is my, gonna be my Broadway debut. Holy moly, like this is amazing, right? And um, from the time the workshop started to the, to the run in L.A., they changed directors, which happens a lot. And the new director, you know, wanted to bring his own people on. Um, so I didn't move forward with the piece. And at the time, I was, like, crushed, devastated. You know, I was just, like, so sure that this was my thing. And, like, I was so bummed. And then right when that show was opening on Broadway, I got the call and I found out that I was going to make my Broadway debut in Mamma Mia!, and I kind of had this like moment where I was like, oh, like even if I had gotten Bengal Tiger, I wouldn't have been able to do both, right? I would have had to choose. And nowadays I always think like when I don't get something that I really want or, or I think I really want or whatever, I always like, even if I am bummed, cause that's totally valid and you have to like go there. I always think like, okay, well I'm not supposed to get this for whatever reason and I probably won't know why for a while, but in a year or two I'll know why. You know what I mean? Um, And so, of course that's easier said than done, but I really do believe like, if you booked everything you auditioned for, you literally wouldn't be able to do every show. Like they would all conflict, you know? So you can't get everything you auditioned for, so you just have to like let it go and just trust that the ones you're supposed to get you will and the ones you're not, you won't. Yeah, it'd be pretty scary or pretty boring of a life if we got everything we wanted if everyone was always happy if everything was (laughs) easy you know yeah yeah it's just not realistic um but yet we give ourselves those unrealistic expectations sometimes right um cool um so what do you do for fitness we kind of chatted a little bit about what you do a couple times a week and whatnot so go ahead and just chat about that and you had said maybe wanted to talk about something you know fitness related that was oh, on yeah. your mind yeah so nowadays I mostly do a lot of hot vinyasa yoga um just to like keep everything strong and it's like a good workout for me in between shows because it's not like too exhausting but it's a good workout and I like just keep everything strong I guess you know I'm one of those people that's like naturally flexible but not naturally strong so I can get injured easily because 
I can like overextend myself, you know? Um, and yeah, what I wanted to say was when I did Mamma Mia on Broadway, it was the stage was raked, which means it's on an angle. And even if it wasn't raked, I didn't realize like how not strong I was like to the core, not like, oh, I can't lift this thing, but just like truly strong. And I, you know, I, I worked out, but not so much. It was, I, I didn't think I really needed to work out so much because I was like, I'm happy with my body. I'm good. I'm in a good place. But I didn't realize that I truly needed to work out to like maintain my health because I did the show for like three and a half, four years. And it's like it's grueling on your body to do eight shows a week, the same repetition over and over. And, you know, like I started to feel like pain in my shoulder, pain in my knees, pain in my back. And I was like so young. And I'm like, I'm way too young to be having this much pain and discomfort. And I just didn't have like the strength, honestly, to like sustain eight shows a week. And so I had to like take a three month absence after a while because like my back was really a mess. And now, now I like, if I know I'm going into eight shows a week, like I have to at least maintain like twice a week yoga just to like keep everything strong because I don't want to like, I want to prevent injury. I don't want to be in pain basically, you know, yeah. but I didn't realize that like, I felt like, oh, just work out so that you like look amazing. It's, it's yeah. not only about that, you know? Yeah, yeah I covered that in uh, another episode uh, you guys could check out with JC Schuster. And we were talking about the misconception of to work out or to be fit is to have abs or to look right. a certain way. Um, and that's the struggle with either a heavy, a natural, maybe heavy set person or a naturally lean person is that the lean person's like, I look fine. Like, <laughs> Why do I need to work out? I don't need to work out. And, and they don't think about just health in general, like mm -hmm. the upkeep of the body and being, uh, you know, able and with uh, the ability to sustain an H a week per se. Right. And then the heavy set person's just like either this is my type, you know, this is why I get cast mm -hmm. or, you know, like we talked about earlier, it's just not in the cards for me as far as looking a certain way. But they just aren't considering like, hey, like this is just about your life, about right. your ability to either be able to do something or not be able to do something, whether that's on a stage or just like, you know, God willing at 50 or 60 years old, you can sit and pick up things and put them over your head. That's how right. you deal. Um, so yeah, that is that is important on uh, just the upkeep of the body and fitness. Um, uh, you skate in the show now. Yes, I roller skate. Uh, did yeah. you learn how to skate for the show or you already knew how to skate? So I full-on lied in my audition. Okay. <laughs> because, okay, so the band's visit is based on a movie. And in the movie, there is a roller skating scene, um, which is super short. And I there wasn't a dance audition for this show because there's not really a lot of traditional Broadway dancing in it. So in the audition, after I sang and I did the scenes and everything, they were like, oh, by the way, do you roller skate? And I was like, yeah, because I thought, oh, I'll just have to like be in skates on stage, which I'll be totally fine with. I've been to like a roller skating birthday party. Like, I'm fine, you know? <laughs> so it's not, so I could skate a little bit, but I've never like full on skated professionally or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the first day of rehearsal, the guy that I skate with, my partner in the show, his father like, he grew up with his father as a hockey coach, so he's, like, very comfortable on ice skates. So mm -hmm. he was really comfortable on the roller skates. Mm -hmm. So he was, like, skating around doing all these fancy things. He had the longer hair in the show, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then our choreographer was like, great, can you do this? Can you do this? And I was like, whoa, whoa, nobody <laughs> told me it was going to be this crazy. Was it uh, Xanadu? Is, is that the skating show? Oh, Xanadu? that is such a yeah, yeah. yeah. He's pulling a Xanadu on you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want you to do so then that. I was like, can you just teach, can you bring someone to just, like, teach me the basics? 
which is actually a really important lesson I've learned now, like ask for what you need, right? Because I think like Sharon five, six years ago would have been like, oh, figure it out, whatever you want, you know? Yeah. And then maybe I would have injured myself. Sure. But I was like, hey, can you just bring someone in? Because the choreographer wasn't on skates, you know, and she was just choreographing things. Mm -hmm. So they were like, totally. So they brought in this one guy who actually did Xanadu. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, and he was also in SpongeBob. His name was Curtis. Okay. And he was, I think, skating or maybe rollerblading in SpongeBob at the Pro time. Probably either rollerblading or skateboarding. Yeah. Yeah. So they brought him just for a day and he just taught us the basics, like, you know, like knees always bent, weight always forward, butt out, you know, mm -hmm. which was super helpful. Mm -hmm. And now I really have a lot of fun. At, at first it was a little terrifying, <laughs> but now it's really fun. Yeah. And those first, uh, you know, stages of rehearsal or maybe when you were at uh, the Atlantic did you ever have any like close calls of either falling or rolling oh, yeah. off the stage or anything oh, like God. that? Luckily not rolling off the stage. <laughs> At the Atlantic, I didn't have any big snafus. And actually, Bill, my partner, used to lift me in on skates like while we're both skating. And somehow we, we were fine. We've been running. Yeah, we've been running now on Broadway like a year and a half. And I have fallen once. But I've it was kind of a half fall. Mm -hmm. And I give Bill crap about it because... So I do this arabesque on skates, which for people who don't know, it's like basically one leg is up in the air and one leg is still skating and I'm holding my partner's hands. So sometimes I like wobble a little as I'm getting into it, but I always, you know, like find my balance and I'm fine. And we're skating one day and I like, I'm wobbling a little, but I just think to myself like, it'll be fine. I'll be, I'll get there. And I just didn't. <laughs> so I like started to fall a little, like, you know, and Bill could see that I was falling. So he tried to like lift my arms up to help me mm -hmm. but I was really truly just falling but he never let go of my hands so he actually wound up just like dragging <laughs> me for a little bit <laughs> uh, oh, which was like on one hand good but on the other hand so obvious yeah yeah but you know we like laughed it laughed it off and I said something in Hebrew and I think the I had some friends in the audience that day actually and mm. they thought it was on purpose they thought yeah. it was supposed to happen because yeah. these kids are like in a roller rink like they're not supposed 100%. to be professional you I know, know that I've fallen plenty of times yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a roller skating rink for sure uh, so it has happened once and hopefully enough and what won't happen again mm. but it's all good <laughs> I'll after this I'll show you some single leg Romanian deadlifts. It'll help you with that support and balance. Okay. All right? little, <laughs> little plug there for Bill for the stage. Amazing. Um, lastly, I'll just close out with uh, what are some, I, I like to ask people, what are some daily practices that, um, that you keep to just like move forward in life or to chase goals or just the little subtleties of a daily routine that you feel keeps you on that path? Yeah. Um, I mean, specifically for our business and the show, I like always vocally warm up because even if I could like get through it, let's say without, it just makes me feel like ready to go. And like, it takes like 10, 15 minutes. It's just not that deep. Like, just do it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? <laughs> and then same thing with the physical work before the show, like 10 minutes, really. Mm -hmm. Um, I also keep like a sweater and slippers and like sweatpants backstage because it's always so cold and wow. you like warm up and then you're freezing and then you could injure yourself you know mm -hmm. um I don't know I, I guess I just try to like eat well and and like plan out my week as to when I'm gonna work out or when mm -hmm. I'm gonna go to yoga so that I don't just like not do it because I haven't planned it mm -hmm. and then yeah, I yeah that's great I mean yeah. those are all so simple but like it's important, like, because people don't do it. They don't do right. it. They don't plan. Yeah, just plan. And they don't, 
uh, except the fact that these things don't really take that long. Like right. You said the warm-up was like 15 minutes, the physical, same deal. Our workout today was 13 minutes long. Right. And you got your bang for your buck, right? Yeah. There's 13 minutes. And, Definitely. And that's what, you know, the excuse of, oh, I, I just don't have time. I right. don't have time. I don't have time. But you have time to thumb through on your Instagram or you have time to right. blah, blah, blah. So... I think that's really important that you have that realization of, hey, it takes this amount of time. I know that it will do uh, a huge dividend on me down the road to just help me mm -hmm. periodically. So, cool. Yeah. Um, where can we find you on Instagram? We, we talked about your website oh, uh, yeah. in the beginning, but yeah, let us know your Instagram handle, your website. Your phone number, address, <laughs> social security, yeah, whatever. Yeah, my blood type. Blood type. Um, my Instagram handle is just my full name, Sharon Saig. So it's S-H-A-R-O-N-E-S-A-Y-E-G-H. Um, my same. website is same, SharonSaig.com. Mm -hmm. On Facebook, also Sharon Saig. Cool. Twitter, same thing. Yeah. Okay, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for coming in, Sharon. Thanks course, for being thanks on the podcast. Uh, if you haven't seen the band's visit yet, uh, go out and see it. Like I said, the awards were well-deserved. So uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. All right, that's the conclusion of today's podcast with Sharon Saig. Once again, if you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate it, comment on it, follow us on Instagram at Built for the Stage, websites www.builtforthestage.com. Until next time, best wishes on matching your Broadway talent to your new Broadway body. It's me, Roscoe, signing off. Later. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.